and we're back with episode 20 of Dog Football Weekly. It's your host, Reed, with the co-host, Russ. And today, back again, Mr. Bill King. Mr. Bill, how you doing? Hey, guys. Good to be with you. And uh, I got the shirt you sent me, and I got the nice card, so I appreciate that. That was a nice touch. I, I yes, appreciate sir. that very much. Yes, sir. Well, we're glad to do it. Mr. Bill, a couple questions we have for you. Obviously, a couple weeks out from it, but what are your thoughts on Jalen Carter? You mean the story yes, about the story. his involvement or dress? Really, kind of what? Really, kind of all of it. Oh, I think he used poor judgment. If indeed it's true that he was drag racing with him. But from all I understand, he was not intoxicated. That's a good part. The horrible part is two people died. Can't get past that. But just as far as on the field, I don't think it hurts him at all. The NFL doesn't care. Yes, sir. And he is a player that's hard to come by. A dominant defensive interior lineman is a commodity. It's very hard to find. They're not like wide receivers. They are very difficult to find. And he is a dominant talent. So from that aspect, I don't think it hurts him at all. It's a bad look, and hopefully he learned from the bad judgment, but he has skills and ability that are rare. Yes, sir. I've seen, obviously, Todd McShay, before all this came out, he talked about Jalen Carter having character issues and he never really went into details. So that's the one mock draft where he's fallen the farthest. But, I mean, he's still going top five for a lot of people, and the lowest I've seen him is around eight or nine. The NFL does not care about character. They care about winning ball games. There are players in that league that have done a million times way worse. I was here in Nashville when they took Pac-Man Jones. Yes, sir. Who had a horrible record before he got there they took him high in the first round when he got here he continued all of that (laughs) and they gave him a pass left and right i talked to the gm this was 15 years ago whenever it was so you protecting yourself in this contract oh we're protecting they wrote him a 15 million dollar contract up front Mm. it's all lies I, i don't believe anything the nfl says about character that is not a thing yes sir well mr bill Something else I wanted to ask you, obviously your main focus is college football, but what do you think about March Madness as it gets underway? It's already underway right now, but the first round starts tomorrow. I really enjoy it. It's basketball, college basketball is a a March sport. It's a tournament sport. It has an identity problem that it's lost over the last 30 years for many reasons. It doesn't know how to start a season. They overlap with football. Recruiting has hurt it, too. Football recruiting is so popular. That hurts it. But it is fun and much. And my favorite two days are really Thursday and Friday coming up. Yes, sir. Because you have the most most games, guys. I mean, you get up early, there's games. You you fall asleep late at night, there's probably several games still on. And the drama. Now, not every year is the same, but the things that can happen that day and the potential upsets and all of that. So I really do enjoy that aspect of it. Yes, sir. I like it because you'll be sitting in class at school and you can get on any website you want and find a basketball game on, and there's multiple ones. So if one gets out of hand or 
there's always a game on, especially these first two rounds. Who do you see going deep this year in this tournament? Well, the best team's Alabama. Yes, kind of funny on the show the other day, we were laughing. Basketball team might be better than the football team. I don't think anybody's <laughs> ever said that in the history of Alabama sports, right? Yes, sir. Alabama's had some good basketball teams historically, but they haven't had one go to the Final Four. This team's picked to win it all. Now, we know that doesn't necessarily mean you do. They've got the best players, and they've got the most athletes, and they have the best individual player who is Brandon Miller, who's from right here, played in Nashville and uh, was a star here, and he was a top 10 overall recruit, five-star. I don't know if anybody thought he'd be the best player in America, which he is. Mm Mm-hmm. And if they're playing their best ball, and they do hit areas where they're not shooting well, the perimeter game, if they're making those shots, I would be shocked if they're not competing for a national championship. Mr. King, do you agree with how the Brandon Miller situation went down? (sighs) No. I, I would have suspended him initially. And... There's varying viewpoints on what he knew at the time. I've had police officers call the show and say it's very unlikely he didn't know why he was bringing that gun back to that situation. Mm -hmm. But if he can prove that he was innocently not in the know about something that was about to go down, then you cannot have him as being part of it. And apparently that's what they're saying. But... It is true, guys. I mean, the reality is if he was the sixth man on the team or if he wasn't a superstar, I don't think he'd be playing. So am am I saying he's the worst guy in the world? No. But he was part of it, and I think it's pretty obvious why he's playing. Yes, sir. I I think they handled it in a really bad way, and I think really everybody at the university, Nate Oates, athletic director, they all handled it, and they made it. I'm not saying Alabama as a school only cares about winning. I'm, I wouldn't try, I'm not trying to bash the school, but they're not doing a good job of making it look like that isn't all that they care about. It's a PR problem, and it, all through the tournament, it's going to keep coming up. That's what the media does, and sometimes they are at fault with the way they ask questions or the way they report, but I think the excuse me, being inquisitive here is the right angle. And look, but but Alabama, let's face it, Nate Oates is a very good coach, and he can sell to his team. It's us against the world right now, literally. Mm -hmm. And he's right, kind of. And that could be incredibly motivating. Yes, sir. Well, as much as I hate to see it because I'm just a diehard dog fan, I hate to see Alabama win really anything. But I think this team's really hard to beat. I don't think Purdue can beat them if Alabama's shooting the ball well just because of, they're so athletic and so long. And you got a guy like Brandon Miller. And I get it, Purdue's got that big guy. But if you just run up, I feel like Alabama can just run up and down the floor on that Purdue team and really anybody besides maybe a Kansas or a Duke. Here, here's the thing. To beat them if you're Purdue, and they have that 7-2 guy, I think he's 7-4, whatever they listed, and he is athletic. I mean, he's not a, a stiff down there. And he gets the ball on the low, co- low post, and, and it's over, right? You yes, cannot sir. block that little right-handed hook. I don't. You could be standing there with a broom and not get to that ball, right? So, yes, sir. But, but they'd have to get Alabama in a grinder. 
Okay, and, and and you're right. They can't be playing out in football terms. They can't be playing out in green grass, right? That's yes, open. Sir. It's it's got to be a grinding half court game. Purdue is is getting Alabama in one of those games. It's getting tight. You can see the clock. Game's moving. It's a low scoring game, and maybe they get Brandon Miller in foul trouble or something. And the big man is starting to dominate. And Alabama now is getting tight and missing shots, which they, they're making perimeter shots, which when they're hot, they do. If they can get them in that grinder of a game where it's, oh, God. Yes, you know, we, just, we, we need to find a way to just escape out of here. We're way better than this team, but they've got us in their game. In, in another metaphor, they've got us in their spider web, right? And we're getting trapped here. That's the formula for Purdue. If, if it's 70, 80 points and up, Purdue's gone. Yes, sir. Well... Russ, you got anything else about March Madness? No, I want to talk a little NFL draft, though. Um, Mr. King, do you think that uh, Jalen Carter, you know, the Bears traded back to number nine. Do you think they still take Jalen Carter right there? If he's sitting there, heck yeah. I mean, I don't – ability-wise, there's no way he's sitting there at nine. Now, again, guys, I don't watch the NFL much, so I don't know who's taking what. Yes, sir. But if – if I'm sitting down, I'm spending my money for the team. I'm spending the team's money. I'm taking the best player available. And if he's sitting there at nine, I'm, I'm having a, a huge party. Yes, I mean, sir. That's, that's crazy. Now, look, I take him at nine and he gets there to camp and uh, starts acting up. I look like a fool, but I would take him right there. And yes, I don't sir. think he, he's going to have any problems. I think. I, I wish he dropped to eight because the Falcons are at eight, and I'd love to see them add him in the middle of their defensive line. But knowing the Atlanta Falcons, they never really make the right pick. They'll probably end up – Russ, who do you think they'll get this year? We'll probably take a cornerback. We always get defensive back, <laughs> receiver, defensive back, receiver. But back to Georgia and this upcoming season, who are some guys you think are really going to make an impact in this 2023 class? I don't know. Georgia is to the point where it's going to be hard. I mean, if you're a Brock Bowers, right, you yes, come sir. in and you just impact. They have done such a good job of recruiting. But that's part of it. The next and maybe more important part of that is developing. Alabama has not been doing that that well by their standards. Georgia is doing it better than anybody else. They're getting dudes, okay? That's important if you're going to be competing for national championships. But the developmental aspect of that is vastly underrated. And a lot of coaches just think you can throw talent out there and the talent just overwhelms everybody and it's really not about coaching. That's a huge lot. How you spend time with them, how you develop them. I was reading Mike Griffith article the other day and he said yes, Kirby Smart said this is his favorite time spring practice because he can practice them you can experiment you can see what the young guys can do maybe move some positions to just see maybe would this work but then you have the alone teaching time yes, you have all that and you're not you're not at all preparing for a game and you don't have players who need attention who because it's the regular season can't get any attention because all you can do is work on the next game it's a wonderful time. So my point is long-winded. Georgia's to the point, and I, they've been to the point, young guys aren't going to impact them as much, even if they're 
ultra talented because of how well they layer their classes and how well they keep their players and how well they develop their players. There'll be a couple, but I bet it's fewer than a handful. And I probably won't be anybody that starts. It's probably somebody in the two deep because they don't need anybody on that roster right now. They just don't. Uh, But the, the, the receiver transfers. Yes, sir. The one from Missouri, the one from Mississippi State, they're going to impact. You don't bring them in to sit around. They play tomorrow. They play yesterday. Yes, that, sir. That's, that, that's what's going to happen there. I think, um, obviously, um, well, Jalen Walker and Marvin Jones Jr., two guys who are supposed to be starters as your edge rusher, kind of outside linebacker position, yep. they're, both, they're both having um, shoulder surgery, so they're going to be out all spring practice. So that leaves room for a guy like Samuel Mpemba, um, Raylan Wilson. Those are two guys, five stars in the 23 class that I think will – I don't think they're going to start over a Jalen Walker or a Marvin Jones Jr., but I think they will make an impact just because they'll see so many reps this spring that they wouldn't see normally. Right. And, and you know, spring's also a good time to clean up shoulders and, and injuries and rehab and – things of that nature so that's a wonderful opportunity and those players are going to get some reps yes sir even if they're in the second half of games they're going to be overwhelmingly favored in every game they play that doesn't mean you get to win them all that big but they also have plenty of times to rep people and that's important too and a lot of coaches don't do that a lot of head coaches will plan on we're going to play these guys we're going to get some reps they get in the game and they tighten up i've seen it happen a million times Georgia does a pretty good job of that. They really do. And, uh, I mean, let's, I don't care if you got eight stars by your name. You're going to have to be more than a dude to break in as a true freshman. You're going to have to be what Brock Bowers was as a true freshman. The Perkins kid at linebacker at LSU. You're going to have to be a dude like that to get in that Georgia lineup. Yes, sir. Another guy I think um, – Monroe Freeling, he's an offensive lineman. Right. Obviously, with the death of um, Devin Willick, you know, there's which he was scheduled. A lot of people thought he would start this upcoming season. So that opened up a spot on that offensive line. And he's a guy, under Kirby Smart, there's only been three offensive linemen that didn't redshirt as a freshman. And it was Andrew Thomas, Amarius Mims, and there's one more I'm forgetting. But they're all – Amarius is still at Georgia, obviously. But right, they're saying right. this guy is the next one not to redshirt. And they don't know if he'll start. It's all up in the air. But they think he'll see a significant time all throughout the year, regardless of who's hurt, not hurt. Other than quarterback, my experience is offensive line is the hardest position for a true freshman. Yes, sir. For many reasons. A defensive lineman. A freshman defensive lineman, true freshman, if he's a dude and he's 6'3", 320 like, like Carter, but he's a true freshman, he can play a certain amount of just, you know, sick him, go get the ball. Now, there's a lot of technique and different things you're running there, but you can read and react. You cannot do that as an offensive lineman. You can be 6'7", 330, be a true freshman at 18, but you've got the strength of a guy 22, which is very rare. But there's dudes like that that come around. But he's not in cohesion. He doesn't know the guy to his left or right. He hadn't played with him. That is a unit that has to play with harmony like no other unit. No other unit has to be in sync and harmonious 
collect the offensive line. So you could be an offensive lineman as a true freshman who in three years is a top 10 pick, but not know what the heck you're doing your whole first year. It's that hard of a transformation. Now, some teams start them because they've got no choice. I've got a really stud young freshman lineman. We're just going to have to live with the mistakes because we've got nobody. Our roster is where he's got to play. LSU started two true freshman tackles last year who actually, guys, got pretty good. I mean, they, they mm-hmm. were not playing like true freshmen about game six, game seven. That's rare, particularly a good team. That's not common. I've seen it happen through the years, but it's very unusual. Yes, sir. Mr. King, we appreciate you coming on here a little short notice. Yeah. You know, uh, it's always great having you on. We hope to have you on a few more times in the future. And uh, that's going to be it for today's episode. We thank you all for listening, and we'll see you all in the next one.